I'm Carrie Bickmore. Welcome to Brains Trust. In this podcast, we will enlist the country's most interesting, funny and often complex people to help us reflect and understand our lives a little better. They aren't experts necessarily, but they all have curious minds, big brains and love a laugh. This Brains Trust of well-known Australians has been gathered together by journalist and producer Chris Walker. Hi, Carrie. Who are we here from, Chris? I've spoken to people that I admire, people that I care about and people that I work with. I'm Chris Brown. I'm a, uh, a veterinarian. My name's Adam Briggs. I'm a Yoda Yoda man. I'm Ryan Chang. I'm a stand-up comedian. Uh, my name's Annabelle Crabb. I'm Willie Dali. Hello, I'm Kitty Flanagan. My name's Hamish Blake. I am a first-year apprentice homeschool teacher. Each episode will move between these awesome guests, like an eavesdrop on the ultimate conversation. So before we bury 2020 deep in our memory, we're going to walk through it all again and see how it changed us and what we learnt along the way. Let's continue Season 1 of Brains Trust. This episode is about our families and loved ones. The family is humanity's most treasured unit. 2020 put enormous strain on some families. For others, it allowed them to slow down and connect. As the year comes to an end, many of us are wondering which behaviours we should try to hang on to and which home life habits we can leave behind. For those with kids, there was a need to explain to them why their life had suddenly changed. Something dad of two, Hamish Blake, found challenging. To explain to a three-year-old, we just can't go to the park. That was the tricky bit because it's like three years, three years old, you're talking, you can have conversations, but you're not, you can't have intelligent conversations. No offence to my daughter, but there's no back and forth and compromise and understanding of like absorbing someone else's point. A three-year-old conversation is a one-way conversation, which is I want to go to the park and you go, I'm sorry, we just can't. It's closed. Their counter offer is, yeah, but I want to go to the park. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's, uh, I'm sorry, honey, it's closed. Yeah, but I want to go. It was kind of a good teaching tool that circumstances can be put upon you. Like mm. I've always, one of my concerns with my kids having them being so lucky is that they grow up to think that they have a solipsistic view of the world, that they, that it revolves around them. Totally. Um, and this was really interesting because it stopped everyone in their tracks. That is definitely one of the silver linings, I think, and... And also one of the reasons I I made an active effort, and I think my wife did as well, to not complain in front of them because I think that's the other side yeah. of that equation is to go, if we're walking around griping, that just reinforces the notion that the randomness and chance of life and the world, which is what this is, it's unlucky or unfair. And I, and that's not, mm. I don't believe that to be the case at all. And so I understand the, I understand that we all sort of suffered mental highs and mental lows, but I made a real active effort to just be like, I, I if I'm ever to complain, it's imperative we don't do it around our kids because I think that would accidentally send the message to them that, oh, this is unfair and it shouldn't, quote unquote, shouldn't have happened. Now, it sucks that it did happen, but I don't think it shouldn't have happened, if you know what I mean, because yeah. that's that slips into the mindset of thinking that somehow you don't deserve this. But we're all participants in life and we're all living on the planet and we're all going to ride random chance in our life and this is one of those things that happens. Did your family get closer? Internally we did, yeah. Our, our, in, in our house bubble did and I say, I preface this by going, my heart goes out to people that either lost businesses, lost 
health lost, you know, had their hardships massively increased by Corona. I know that was the case for a lot of people. And I know I'm saying this from a position where that wasn't me. And I'm, and I'm still incredibly lucky. So I never want to frame this as a good thing. But um, even though we're stuck inside for 100 days, we end up with a whole bunch of different memories than what we would have had if we were able to move freely. And some of those are terrific. I think it was a good mirror this time to explore the concept of stillness and how comfortable you are being still, like whether that's just with your kids or whether that's just with yourself. And I reckon I got better at it as it as it went along. Like I don't think there's any shame in going as parents, especially busy parents, like you catch yourself, your mind drifting and it's like meditating, you mm. know, you catch your mind wandering all the time. Mm. But to go, all our kids really want is for us to be sifting through the Lego with them. Like not yeah. not noticing that uh, who cares about like you know we're not really building anything that great anyway so I can just quickly check my emails but like that's the point the point is just sifting th- quietly for half an hour an hour two hours just sitting there and being present in an activity that isn't urgent and isn't pressing and will have you have nothing to show at the end of it but you were th- you were just there like that's the gift I reckon that we've been able to give our kids is just go we've just had days and weeks and months on end where we could just be there. I, th- I mean, that th- I think Jerry Seinfeld calls it junk time, garbage time, where he's just like, yeah. remember hearing him talk about parenting once where he's just like, it's not about quality time, it's about kind of garbage time. And that's yeah. that's what I loved about this. And there is a stillness to it. You know, you're not racing to get anything done or to do anything exciting. It's like we're not going to bounce and we're not like rushing off to to do something you have to buy a ticket for so you've ticked it off the list. We're, uh, you know, a lot of the time just making up games in the bedroom and hiding under the bed. Yeah. Yeah, you've really got to blue his dad it. Oh, you got to blue you got to blue it to pieces. And there's no shame in stealing games wholesale from Bluey too. It's a, it's a, great, <laughs> it's a great encyclopedia. <laughs> Family life change for busy working mum, Annabelle Crabb too. In some ways, for the better. All of our lives change because I normally travel a reasonable amount of, for work and all of a sudden I wasn't going anywhere and neither was Jeremy. So they were loving having you around? Yeah, actually it did. It changed a lot about our family life. I mean, we had dinner together every night, um, which was not something that always happened before that. We also, just the elimination of the commute from either end of the day for adults just kind of unlocked this huge reservoir of time that we were kind of free to spend together. So we ended up doing a lot more kind of, you know, going for bike rides or um, Mm. going to the park and um, making some sport, as the Germans would say. Actually, um, rather sensationally, my 13-year-old daughter was cautioned by the police for being in the park and not exercising. You know how, like, there's that rule where if you were in the park, you had to be actually doing exercise. You weren't allowed to just go there and bum around. What was she doing, loitering? She was reading a book. (laughs) And the rest (laughs) of us were kind of, running around in a desultory fashion, trying to humour the dog. And she was all kind of 13 and like, no, I'm just going to be bothered, blah, blah, blah. So she sat under a tree and read a book and then these cops showed up and uh, cautioned her, which was just, I think, the greatest parenting moment ever because I'd been trying to chivy her into doing some exercise and she'd refused. And then all of a sudden <laughs> I had, you know, police backup. It was, you know, a tiny event given the... Uh, uh, the events of the world in 2020. That was a sweet parenting moment for me. Present parents meant a renewed focus on family life, something Waleed Ali's kids may not have been wrapped with. Did you let your kids watch much screen time this year? 
So in the first lockdown, it was just out of control. And then the second lockdown, we had a big crackdown actually. Just said, that's it. Because we just started to get worried. The, the amount was just too much. And we also wanted to rekindle that thing of boredom. Mm. Human beings need to be bored. That's one, that's one of the worst things about our phones, I reckon, is they don't let us get bored, which means we don't become creative. We don't become contemplative. We're just constantly mm. on the receiving end of stimulus, which is just, A, it's exhausting, um, but B, it's not very fulfilling. So just like constantly snacking on Mars bars or something, M&Ms, rather than actually having a meal, you know. You know, in a way, lockdown was the perfect thing. It's like you are going to have to occupy yourself somehow. And it might take a week of total boredom to inspire that response, <laughs> but it's going to... Did it work? To a degree, yeah. Yeah. They don't hate you? Oh, they probably do, but that might have nothing to do with the screens. <laughs> Someone who's never bored is Adam Briggs. He feels 2020 was one of his most productive years ever. You wrote a book this year that was aimed at kids called Our Home, Our Heartbeat, which celebrated... Indigenous legends and your culture. Hmm. Why was it important for you to do that? It was a book I never had as a kid. And I thought to myself, like, that's all I try to do, you know, so much of my art and whatever. I, I just try to make the thing that wasn't there. It's pleasing as an artist to do something like that. It's also smart in a business sense of, like, give people something they don't have. Hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Honestly, it's probably probably been the most fulfilling thing I've done in a long time. Why is that? I think there's like a, an innocence and an honesty with doing something for kids and just the fact that that it's resonating with them and they're reading it and they're loving it, you know? So while we're talking about kids, you, or you have one daughter, but how would you feel given the, the climate of the world at the moment bringing another kid into the world? Nah. <laughs> Uh, I don't know man it just I hadn't really thought about it too much honestly why would you it's a pretty dim place sometimes so let me let me ask you this way is the world a good place which you may have already answered and is it worth fighting for the world's worth fighting for because it's the only one we have right but it still sucks at the moment but it's the only one we've got so we've got to We've got to sort it out. Like that's why we protest. We don't, you know, that's why we fight. That's why we protest. We don't want to be in the eternal protest. We protest for change and to make things better. And change and making things better, you know, should evolve. It should grow as we grow, as humans. A lot of people that I've spoken to talked about the stillness of this year and how it Gave them a moment for introspection. No, I don't have time to be introspective. <laughs> I've just got to, like, I've got to create and do stuff and I'm not one of those freed up on the beach, you know, write a journal guys. I've got too much to do. And, you know, we die way quicker than everybody else. So, you know, there's a ticking clock on us. The wick is lit. So, you know, you've got to act. A global pandemic that disproportionately affects the elderly brought those familiar relationships into sharp focus for many, like Kitty Flanagan. 
I didn't get to see my mum for so long and then I finally got out of Melbourne and I got to go and spend a couple of months in Sydney and so I got to see her a lot. I can be a bit short and a bit impatient with my mum and so I do, you know, I'm trying to make an effort to just really appreciate that, you know, I'm getting to see her and not kind of not be short or impatient. Have you become less or more comfortable with death? I think I've just become more aware of it. I don't know that I'm necessarily more comfortable with it, but I'm certainly aware every time I leave my mum now. God, I hope I, you know, hope nothing happens. I, you know, hope, hope this isn't the last time I get to see her. Someone else worried about their mum was Dr Chris Brown. I've got a, a mum who's, you know, mid-70s with Alzheimer's and is in a, a really high-risk group for, for something, and it is in an aged care facility. So probably her and, and, and exposure to COVID was was made me afraid. I imagine that was very frightening. Yeah, I, I haven't seen her for six months. <laughs> um, naturally, and then I get why, they're very strict with visitors and because I am I live in Sydney, um, which is considered a, a high-risk area, uh, I've been forbidden from, from seeing her. Um, but in, 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 those, in those strict rules, you do get a degree of comfort in a way that, that she's not going to be exposed to to something that may may kill her. It must have occurred to you that you, you might lose her without seeing her again. Yeah, ab- absolutely. But the nature of her her condition is that that could happen anyway. Um, you know, that that point of Alzheimer's, they they have a, a weakened immune system and 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 are prone to um, to developing you know, life threatening infections and and uh, and health challenges. So that that's been a, a bit of a juggle for for obviously the last few years, but at the same time, COVID's kind of brought that into, into pretty pretty sharp focus. Well, I mean, 2020, I think, has put a completely unique strain on families like that. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, f- for me, I struggle with it, but dad, uh, they've been married for you know, 50 years. He, for a large period of time, wasn't allowed to see her, so he, he was able to stand at a window um, and look in at her and and wave at her, and that that was that was what their relationship became. Uh, had became. Yeah, so did that break him a bit? Oh yeah, yeah. And and he's he's probably the the most. You reckon I'm? I try to find positives. He, he is he is like he's triple A positive. He, he is he, he can find joy in in heartbreak. Incredibly pragmatic and and positive. But he um. Yeah, he, he, when he was short tempered with me and 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 didn't really want to talk about it, I was like, okay, yeah, he's he's struggling with it. So that's what um, has probably been the the hardest thing with with twenty twenty for him and and for us as a family. So I think uh, we have to find a better way. Whether it's it's fast rapid testing at place at aged care places where we're using a, a COVID test um, before entry to allow people in aged care. To avoid the the, the heartbreak of, of loneliness, mm. because that that's a killer in itself, mm. and and that's not reflected in statistics. That you don't you don't get a measure of that in your daily um, COVID briefing from from the premier, but it, it's it's a significant factor out there, and I, I think we need to we need to look at that and and find better ways to, to ease that loneliness because that that can kill as well. With schools shutting down in 2020, some parents had to take on the role of teacher as well. And Hamish Blake had to adapt. We just found a rhythm, you know, like we just went, there's no way we're following a school day here in terms of um, 
like we're not doing nine till three thirty. We probably we pretty much tried to whack out any academic stuff between nine and ten o'clock, and just get some sort of because he's in prep. Like you didn't have to do much. Like just get some sort of like record that you tried on the program where you have to upload it to the teacher. And then for the rest of the day, it honestly was just like we were living in the 1900s, just like going outside, digging in the dirt, trying to find bugs, making treasure hunts in the neighbourhood, I don't know, looking at clouds, living under the trampoline for an afternoon. I feel like quite a lot of the time was spent selling kids on quite boring ideas, like having having to come up with like massive fantasies of like, I, I did a treasure hunt the other day with Ushies that they already owned. Yeah, great. Like when you talk to people that don't have kids, like I was, I was chatting to a mate the other day, and I was like, oh, people we know in the in one street away, they've got a puppy. And so, you know, the kid's like, oh, can we go and visit the puppy? He's like, yeah, great. And then just in the telling, I was like, oh, we went around there, but they weren't home. And this friend of mine who doesn't have kids was like, oh, no, bummer. I was like, no, not really, not a bummer. Like, chewed up half an hour. Who cares? Like, that's the whole day. <laughs> you don't, it doesn't, it doesn't need to be perfect. <laughs> it doesn't, you just, you're, all you're doing is looking to do something that gets you another half hour down the field until it's six o'clock and it's time to start doing bed and bath and then you've made it through another day. So you don't need stuff to be perfect. You don't need it to be like the greatest treasure hunt of all time. You just need it to have chewed up 30 to 40 minutes without there being any meltdowns and that's totally a success. So Sonny is nearly six or is six? He is six, yeah. And and Rudy's three, is it? Rudy's three, yeah. The one thing you can't give your kid is kids his own age like I'll play all day long in the backyard and I love it but uh, you know once you get into like your ninth hour of playing Pokemon you can get a little yeah. can get a little yeah, over it tedious, all, yeah. but uh it's just kind of, you know he missed dickhead time like you know he yeah. like you see them you see him in the park after school or at, you know like with his mates and like you guys are dickheads and you need to be dickheads together you can't you need yeah. other six-year-olds around you yeah because that's the whole point of what you need to do like you need your friends yeah, that's what that's what you that's what you're putting the earth for. Yeah, we can't we just can't be that as your parents and we shouldn't be that. Our social life took a hit in 2020, but it was still possible just in new online ways. Did you have a home happy hour? No, what's that? Where people were having um, you know, quarantinis. Oh god, I thought it was like some sort of wank fest. Right, sorry. No. Jesus, it's going to go, no walks. And if I did, I wouldn't be announcing it on your podcast. (laughs) Sorry. You said home happy hour. Like, Jesus, we got there quickly. You didn't even warm up to it. There weren't too many home happy hours at Dr Chris Brown's either. For me, having a drink on Zoom, I had fun doing it, but I associate that with the 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 toughest time in lockdown. So I don't like mm. to do it now. I don't want to do it. Yeah, I'm the same. And, and it's interesting how your, your mind makes those associations because the principles of it are great. And, and I, I, I want to catch up with people and have drinks with them, but, I, but doing it on Zoom makes, makes, makes me feel sad. It's interesting, isn't it? Because we were lucky that we had the technology we have for this pandemic, for things like homeschooling and talking to teachers and communicating with loved ones. But there's just, it was just proof that there's nothing like the real thing. Yeah. There is a lot that you give away in your body language and, and, and your energy and a lot you get that's unspoken by being in the same room as, as someone else. Bonding is not just verbal. It, it, it's, it's actually being close to someone. And I think, I think the human soul needs to be close to someone. A virtual hangout is no replacement for the real thing. 
That's episode two of Brains Trust. On the next episode, we'll dive into one of the biggest political years in history. I wonder how many people reconcile this Black Lives Matters movement with Australia, or do they think this is them protesting for America? You know what I mean? Like, I would bet money that most of them are protesting for America. (laughs) (laughs) That's when we next convene the Brains Trust.